Hi and welcome to the podcast You're Having Tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Boo Dwyer, who was in lockdown when we spoke. After having her festival shows cancelled in Perth, she went back to Adelaide and was in quarantine. We spoke about creativity, helping people, studying as a mature age student and what she wants to do uh, in the world, what she wants to achieve and create and give. Uh, I thought it was a really fantastic conversation. Fantastic? Fantastic. Yes, it was. It was a lot of fun and really lovely, and she's such a warm person. Um, I have moved this week. Um, Currently still uh, at my previous place with the construction next door, which you might be able to hear in the background, but all of my other stuff is at the new place. Uh, It has a tiny little podcasting studio uh, which is one of the reasons why I moved in. It doesn't. It's not actually a podcasting studio. They were trying to sell an old laundry room, a tiny little laundry room, uh, as an office, and no one else was really interested in that particular selling point. But for me, it was perfect. Uh, so I'm going to f- put in sound baffling material and and make a little podcasting studio because. I am now, let's all admit it, a podcaster primarily in life. Speaking of which, I have a few projects coming up. I will plug them now and then I'll let you get on with listening to the podcast. Um, So The Gargle, the the Bugle podcast, if you listen to that, has a spin-off show that I will be hosting. It's like like a weekend magazine show, like a glossy magazine show to The Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world. It's all of the non- political stories basically look at me try to squirm away from political satire speaking of um squirming away from political satire my (laughs) daily satirical news podcast set in an alternate dimension which i did last year the last post is now happening monthly so rather than daily it is a monthly show set in the wasteland uh, the post-apocalyptic wasteland that is the ruins of the last post universe if you are still subscribed to that feed do stay subscribed because there will be more stuff coming out on the feed. Uh, you can subscribe to The Gargle. That's coming out soon. The first episode will be coming out soon. What else? Uh, Tea with Alice, of course, weekly. And my Patreon subscribers, my goodness, I have been really enjoying the salons. I run these weekly salons with the Patreon subscribers who are above a certain level and occasionally of all levels. I open it up to everyone. And it is so nice. It's so nice to talk to you. It's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to engage with you. Uh, and ramble and occasionally make a fool of myself with tea and and people in these, you know, let's admit it, Zoom meetings are never fun, but these are fun for me. Um, It's a delight. And uh, if you want to um, sign up there and join them, I would love to talk to you. That's that. I'll let you get on with listening to the podcast with Boudoir. What a magnificent human. I'll talk to you again next week. You're having tea with Alice. Hello, who are you and what are you drinking? Hello, um, my name is Boo Dwyer and I am drinking a, a black coffee, a bad black coffee at the moment. Why are you drinking a bad black coffee? Well, it's not, it's not awful. It's, it's one of those um, Robert Tims, you know, the coffee bag things. I'm drinking a bad black coffee because I am in self-isolation in a, a dodgy apartment above a karaoke bar because I went over to do Perth Fringe World and um, COVID struck. So I came back to South Australia to get back here for one, my family, my husband, kids, dog, etc. cetera. Um, but mainly because I've got a show starting in two weeks and if I had to quarantine, then um, I needed 14 days to do it. So I'm, I'm here drinking my bad coffee in a locked room. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is hard to plan right now. It's very hard to um, figure out what, because obviously with, with comedy, well, not obviously, if you're a listener who doesn't know how the industry works, but with all arts performance, you need to lock things in often months and months in advance. Yeah, you, you do. Yeah. You And with everything the way it is now, you put it in almost presuming that it won't happen yeah. and hoping that it will because it's got to because that's your job and your passion um and if you don't lock it in you don't do it at all so it's almost worth the roll of the dice to see if the covid gods are on your side absolutely <laughs> oh, not. Not. <laughs> uh, speaking of gods have you been wrestling with anything recently um just myself um <laughs> my own um I don't know for the last couple of years really I suppose I've been wrestling with who I am what I want have I done enough um all the things that come maybe with hitting 40 um is the profession what is have I done enough to yeah that's been a lot on my mind have I done enough to be proud of myself and I don't know whose standards they are so I've kind of been looking into that a bit and whether it's standards that I'm trying to do for somebody else like parents or whether it was standards that I'd set for me as a teenager or if it's standards that I even think should still be standards like you know just the small things I've just been pondering over the small things (laughs) recently (laughs) well I mean that is a fascinating thing I think that's a real a real question for many people if not most people there's a point in your life it usually happens in your 30s but if you're lucky it happens in your 20s if you're unlucky it happens in your teens uh, where you realize Mm -hmm. that your next step in life isn't being given isn't being handed down from above it's Mm. not the next promotion it's not the next graduation I mean some people stay in that their whole lives waiting for other people to tell them when they can move forward in their lives in their careers whatever it is but at some point you know ideally when you become an adult you go oh nobody tells me what what I can do next you know I'm not waiting for the hat the special hat or the special badge or the special pay raise to tell me that I'm allowed to do something more no and in this industry that never existed anyway so it's kind of been it's kind of been my whole adult life without an achievement trophy or something to reassure me that I'm doing the right thing there's no sort of verification I don't think well I think that for some people there is and that's if they sort of stick with the institutions and they go through the programs that are available to them but then end up often with quite limited careers or careers that take them in directions that they don't want to go in necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah that's true. I'm, you know, I'm not you go- one of those. <laughs> I've kind of not one of those you know if no, like if my if my little creative heart sees a shiny thing over there I want to follow that and make that or if I meet somebody that I I love the bones of I'm like and they're creatives too it's like let's create something together or so I've never fit into one specific box I've never I've done you know bits of musical comedy I've trained as an actress I've done cabaret um stand up like a little bit of everything so I haven't I haven't ever had a a box to climb on (laughs) I've just put myself in lots of them and so you're you're at this point in your life where you're sort of looking back and you're asking yourself this question of of have I done enough 
Hmm. That's a really difficult question, obviously, because unless you have pre-planned a metric for success, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's sort of mood-based. If you're in a good mood, then you feel like you've done enough. If you're in a bad mood, then you feel like you're a disappointment. That needs You need to figure out, like, what are the things that are important to you or what are the things that you think should be important to you? And is there a difference? Yeah. There, there is, and that's that's exactly what I've been working through in my head because I have been mood-based success for my whole career. Um, and so when everything did happen and that was sort of almost taken away, well, it was because um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm obviously not very good at technical things. It took us about half an hour for me to work out how to use Zoom today. Um, I, I was thinking, well, what do I want to do? And my appetite wasn't to try and create, which was unusual. And that's kind of been the case. It's been going on for the last couple of years now. And so I started looking inside, what what do I want to do? And the alternative career paths that I had when I was 15 and thinking about it is I wanted to either join the RAF. um, I think it's because I'd watched Top Gun, uh, Mm. be a firefighter. I think that was because of the film Backdraft. um, Or I wanted to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And that always interested me. I was looking at drama therapy for a long while as a career. Um, and so I just signed up. So I've gone back to uni in the last couple of months. Um, so great. It's wow. amazing. And I'm really enjoying it because suddenly it may be stressful in a whole different way, but my brain is fizzing like with these new things and and learning and essay deadlines and achievable goals. And um, I love it. I'm like the oldest person there. But Are you the obnoxious, uh, mature age student with your hand always up in tutorials? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, thankfully, I'm aware of that. uh, Mm. And that stereotype. Um, No, it's almost the opposite. I kind of like to sit back and watch now. Mm. and watch the younger ones who are the obnoxious younger ones in tutorials Uh and giving it their go. Um, No, I haven't got that. It's it's kind of like been a removal of ego the last couple of years. Um, And I don't need to, so she says talking to you on a podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But in the lectures, I don't need to be the one asking a question for the sake of asking a question. I prefer just to sit back and listen and then find out afterwards. So it's it's a whole different thing, especially, yeah, especially being surrounded by predominantly 19-year-olds is very strange. Um, but but it's good. I'm 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 pretty thrilled with where I'm at at the moment. That in that sort of scenario. One of the odd features of growing up is you spend a lot of your time thinking you're the same person you were when you were 21, and then you meet a 21 year old and you go, yeah. Oh, holy shit! I'm, I'm very different to how I was. Then you recognise your younger self. In the, it's interesting. I'm going to uh, call you back to the things that you were thinking of doing, and and in terms of when you were young and and thinking about your future Mm. and this idea of you having done enough or being enough. And this is very amateur psychology, just from what you were saying. Like it seems putting the uh, costumes of the RAF and the firefighting aside, Mm. you definitely did a lot of costumes in the performing industry. Uh, So you satisfied that urge. But the urge is to help people, right? Yes. when you when you ask yourself have you done enough maybe the question really is have you helped enough or what yeah you know how many people have you helped 
that's, that's a tough one. It really is because um, <laughs> physically, probably not many. Um, but my there is a strong like it sounds really wanky. There's an urge to care in me. I want to look after people. I want to protect them or help them or um, connect them or I want I want people to be happy. Um, and yeah, I think a, a lot of the the worth that I'm looking for is maybe just being a small part of that. I mean, with the psychology, I'd like to go on to advocate for the importance of arts in mental health and um, but also to work um, with artists on their mental health because I think it's really important and being being that bit older in like the arts field um, and knowing a lot of younger people I reckon by the time I actually graduate by the time I've got what 47 48 everyone's going to need it so um, you know I'll have a client base (laughs) (laughs) really it's just a real long game at a side hustle that is, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of starting a commune now for an old people's home for comedians because no one's getting superannuation. Um, yes. if, if we did a if we did a communal old people's home and all pitched in for a, a carer or something. Well, um, I did this. I did a show about that. Really? Principle, um, yeah, saying that um, I didn't didn't trust in the in the systems that are set up for the aging population and yeah myself and my bestie moan have already agreed she's called it the cult um but but just that we would put in the money together for a property and staff like for for nurses carers and and create almost our own sort of place rather than going into a an institutional one so we're yeah I'm I'm with you like we're we're on the same page it's also an interesting thing. There, there's sort of so many different competing pressures in in performance, um, and I won't say comedy because I know you do things other than comedy. There's so many different ideas of what it is and what it does for people. You know, you have this idea that it's therapy for the comedian, that that the comedian is getting something out of it, or that that self expression is an urge that cannot be withheld, and and the audience is almost doing the comedian a favor by being hmm. there. For them to spurt all their issues at and I think that's true in some cases but not as often as you would think I think more often or certainly I know with acts like you um you feel like when you perform you're doing something for the audience you're giving something to the audience Mm. and the act of giving is satisfying but it's not or it's not just self-indulgent Absolutely not. No. And you're right. It's completely twofold. There are moments that can be and there are acts that can be. Um, <laughs> and there are times when I'm both um, and times when I'm not. And yeah, I definitely when I'm creating a production, even as a producer, I'll always be thinking what's in this for the audience. Always. Mm. I think as soon as you stop doing that, you 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 lose a little bit. You need to have an aspect of that in because it's a twofold partnership and you you can't just do it for you as much as you may want to and as much as the art has come from you or the show or whatever it is even if you don't want to call it art you still need that communion and that assembly to make it what it is to give it its power comedy more than almost any other art film uses the audience as part of the material Mm. of the art not not that you're making jokes like not you're not that you're doing crowd work making jokes about the audience but that 
they're, they're the canvas on which you paint this picture and every audience is different and their differences are part of the work that you create yes. on the night that you create it, which is why all filmed comedy is not as good as live comedy. Yeah, I totally agree. It is. It's like making a cake and the audience are one of the ingredients and you could still make the cake probably without the ingredients, but it's what makes it what you want it to be. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like like cooking or, or c- cooking at its best is when you don't have all the ingredients and you're figuring mm-hmm. out substitutes on the fly. And comedy at its yeah. best is where something unexpected happens or the audience doesn't react in the way you want them to or expect them to and you have to figure out how to turn. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I want the audience to have a certain feeling. That's what I want to give them. Like either I had an epiphany or an insight or something that I thought was really interesting and it's mm-hmm. a process of what do I need to do to put the audience in my shoes at that moment because that was a really interesting experience and I would like for them to have that because it changed yeah. the way I saw the world or it changed the way I felt about the world or it changed the way I approached the world. And so with a different audience, you'll have to do different things to get them to that place. Yeah, and with different shows as well, it's your um, your target for them changes. So yes. with theatre with theatre shows that I've done, it's definitely been specific places I've wanted them to feel or to go to, but with the show that I'm working on now with Tash for Petty Bitches, we, we started out writing it saying, we don't want anyone to come out of this learning anything, being a better person. You know, there were no yeah. lessons to be learned from it. We genuinely just wanted to, people to feel light and happy. And so that's the driving force between this. It's like, we just want you to feel lighter when you leave than when you arrived. But that is also a lesson in a way that that's practice, you know, that's practice for people that that feeling light and happy is something that they can do and that it's mm. available to them as an option. And the, I mean, just particularly in lockdown with the number of people who have emailed me listening to my incredibly dumb podcast, not this one, <laughs> the, the, the other one. I work on um, it. <laughs> not this one, not the trilogy, the, the dumb one. Um, <laughs> And, and that it's the thing that they listen to when their parents died or when they were diagnosed with something terrible or that just that knowing that they could reach out for lightness and have that mm-hmm. accessible to them and that, that it was something that I could bring them, that they couldn't bring out of themselves. Yeah. That was an incredible, like, that's such an incredible thing. That's why I never look down on, on you know, people who are just funny um, no, I, I in fact envy them because giving people that feeling is such an amazing ability. It is. I mean, all of the things that that then helps with just chemically, like you, you feel so much better when you feel lighter. Like my favorite quote is the the tread lightly one um, because I do sometimes feel like I'm treading too heavily through life. Like I'll be sitting there thinking that things are too hard and whatever, and then suddenly you kind of take that take that weight off and think about it and you just go actually it's not that bad it's okay you've had your heavy hat on tread lightly and I always that's my mantra to myself and the sun often shines a little bit brighter then so this was a thing um that happened when my mum died Mm -hmm. and and I was it was before she died before she was diagnosed with it as terminal um the idea that she, she made the analogy to childbirth with death, Mm. that you don't get a choice about whether it happens. It's happening. Mm -hmm. Your only choice is 
how you deal with it. You might not even have a choice about how you feel about it if you're in a lot of pain or if your brain is fuzzy or any of those things. The world it can be really terrible. But you, even if you don't have control over how you feel about it, sometimes you have control over how you act on how you feel. There's some element there that is still your choice that you can you can just step back from it for a second or you can be generous in that moment or you can think about that's somebody it. else yeah. or that's so, and that's I, think, I always thought that was like quite profound yeah no I think that's perfect <laughs> I think that's perfect it really is yeah life is life is hard <laughs> and yet we are so lucky you know we're lucky to be in Australia for sure. Oh, yeah. We are. I was talking to my brother, um, who's probably one of the most stoic people I know. Um, and he's, I love the Brits. You you know the Brits as well as I do. Like they're, um, they're just perverse in the way that they carry on. <laughs> even when everything is coming down and it's so awful and bleak and they know and they, um, are just incredible the way that it's just well that that horrible saying that you and I have talked about that it is what it is like it's an, it is an awful saying but it is what it is um and I think the Brits are really really good at uh, kind of just there's, keeping a, there's their a silent half to that sentence I think the, the reason that it is what it is is frustrating is because it can come across as an expression of helplessness mm. or or sort of an oppressive thing. You don't get a choice about what it is. You know, it, it is what it is, but then you yeah. then there is there's you within that. There's something about that. And whether it's that you you say, well, I don't have control over it. So worrying about it isn't gonna help. I'm gonna worry about the things that I can control. Yeah. You know, like that before a show that you're nervous about, you'll spend longer doing your makeup or whatever it is because that's the <laughs> yeah. thing that you can control. You can't control the audience. You've already done, you're not going to learn any new lines now. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. So you start, you know, fiddling with the scenery or checking the lighting or mm -hmm. you take control of the things that you have control over. And sort of one of the things that my job entails at the moment is reading a lot of the news which isn't necessarily yep. my pr preferred approach in times mm. of crisis, which is being confronted with problems that I can't solve. Yeah. But one of the things I've started doing, which is really small and really dumb, is every time I see something online that I want to make a snarky reply to, that I want to be like, meh, you're an idiot. <laughs> like every time I have that urge, I go and say two nice things to other people. I say, oh. what a beautiful photograph or your hair looks great in this or, what a, you know, good point. <laughs> and it's such a, like, a, it's like such a clumsy proxy for training it yourself to be better, but it does work. Oh. Like it makes me feel like, well, I've done something good and almost like I've, I've translated that nasty poison into something good. I've, I've put it in, I've used it. Um, I've turned it into something useful, turning the, the the toxin into a medicine in some way. I've made the world a better place out of this bad thing. I might try that. 
because I don't. I just drink all of the poison and then back away from the computer, <laughs> sit on my own, um, feel bad about myself and the world, um, and then will gradually come out of my grump a day or two later. Maybe if I just spread some joy <laughs> instead, I can stop the poison from going down. Well, yeah, the, 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 you know, there is a satisfaction sometimes if somebody's coming at you online in correcting them or slapping back or but I don't think that satisfaction makes the underlying hurt feel better. No, I don't snap back. I just go quiet. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I think you've I think you've got the good solution to it. <laughs> We've both got an each end point. I mean, I'm not perfect. Uh, and it does feel sometimes it feels a little bit mechanical and self-helpy. But um yeah, occasionally if I'll if I'll reply, I'll reply and then I'll delete the reply like a coward. <laughs> like, no, actually I don't want to start this. I don't want to engage with this. I'm just gonna, just gonna tell three. someone their dog is great. <laughs> <laughs> the three dots just keep appearing and disappearing and disappearing. <laughs> like, I'm really angry, but but not that angry. I like so you. Cat. <laughs> as a producer, you're running this Adelaide. Adelaide venue, one of the best well, venues in the Adelaide Fringe. No, um, it's it's actually Mick that's doing it um, this year. I've stepped back from that. It's the, it is Mick and Boo, our company, but Mick's yeah. the hands-on man on the ground. Um, he's delegating. I like it. <laughs> no, I, I um, yeah, I'm really proud of him. You you know my husband, Mickey D. He's um fabulous. He was, yeah, getting the stage already today. He's down on site now um at Gluttony. Um and it's it's gonna be new this year, but I I I don't know how my head feels about any festivals at the moment because obviously I've just left one in a big rush and had shows cancelled, but I think the way that it's being set up here is positive. So a lot of the seating will be outside and checkerboard. So if restrictions do come into play, it's not going to have that sudden knock-on effect. Like they've really thought about it. Well, they've had to because there's so much at risk <laughs> um, for everyone, for everyone involved. So yeah, I, all I'm of really... the things that are not great about temporary venues become an asset, you know, right. they're intense, you know. <laughs> And that you can open those tents up and that you don't feel like you're protected from the outside world all of a sudden becomes a really great thing. It's what we've been told to to aim for and what we've been stopped from going into. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I'll sit in a blinking field for as long as you want right now rather than this room. Um, But also we're going through something so, oh, my favourite word, unprecedented. Um, We're going through (laughs) something so bizarre and um, almost uh, I'm, I'm unable to really um, grasp it. It's it's just another experience in that little folder that we'll hopefully have at the back of our computer called COVID. Um, and it'll just be filed under the fringe I did during COVID next to the sourdough that I didn't make during COVID. And, you know, next to Tiger King and Shit's Creek that happened during COVID and all the, all the weird experiences that we've collectively gone through. I'm hoping that we'll eventually just be in a folder, but I don't mind um, in part acknowledging them and, and kind of just keeping them. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you saw this video of the lady doing aerobics in front of the military vehicles going into um, yes. have, have a coup, do a coup, perform a coup, <laughs> um, execute a coup, coup. Um, but she's dancing in front of the in front of that picture, and I it really struck me as sort of how how it feels to be trying to entertain people with all of this stuff going on <laughs> in the world. But then, you know, this is just stuff that touches us and there's always a, there's always an apocalypse happening somewhere. You there know? is. There is. And there's so much going on and so much really awful stuff and so much stupid, lighthearted stuff and they can coexist together and I think you can acknowledge all of them. Yeah, I think I don't, this was, a, this was a big thing for me, trying to address this issue of like what, what is it to dance while the world is burning? Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes it can be a distraction and sometimes it can be a distraction in a good way or a bad way or whatever. But the the thing that I thought, well, like I reconciled it with a, a deep belief that I have. Maybe that's how it has been, like I've been able to resolve it is by pinning it down to this very strong belief I have that good deeds don't cancel out bad deeds and bad deeds don't cancel out good deeds. Like I'm not yeah. Catholic. I don't believe you can buy indulgences. I think if you do mm-hmm. a good thing and a bad thing, you are good in this way and bad in that way. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any. It's like you, you, it's it's addition, not uh, some other form of maths. I'm not good at maths, so I can't <laughs> give the correct analogy. Like you're gathering apples and you're gathering oranges. They don't cancel each other out. If you have one apple and one orange, you just have yeah. one apple it, and one orange. The orange is evil in this instance. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a, a quite a strange thing and it's a that's definitely playing on my mind at the moment that um acknowledging that there are awful things happening and a lot of the time what I'm talking about is like such a first world problem and not important in the grand scheme things at all and feeling that should I apologize for saying some of the and then I I fight with myself about it because also no because everyone's living their lives and you're right it's apples and oranges and you don't have to it doesn't doesn't negate the other to talk about one you can still feel something in your heart and say something else out your mouth there's there's different worlds someone doing worse than you and there's always someone doing better than you and there's no point in trying to place yourself on that ladder unless it's useful unless it's useful in that moment to, to figure out the priorities but like me having like you're having a broken arm doesn't make my sprained ankle hurt less it might make me less likely to take your bandages (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think it's it's, and I think that's the strange thing almost about performance and the arts at the moment and just about um living in general being in Australia that that kind of survival guilt that I'm here and all my family is over there and I'm posting about, oh, I'm stuck in a hotel room and they're like, oh, well, everyone's dying. And it's it's such a strange juxtaposition, all the different, which, yeah, you're right, it always is throughout the world, all at the same time, but definitely sort of more obviously now. Um, we're seeing these massive differences with people that we know firsthand um, yeah. in real time and I'm... My brain's doing a lot of work on that at the moment. Yeah. Well, don't let it do too much work on it. 
<laughs> it won't every now and again I'll give myself a little break and have a read or a play with my play-doh um, which somebody dropped off at the hotel room I'm not like a 40 year old woman with a weird play-doh addiction um and yeah I I'm trying to remember to be silly when I can which is why I'm still putting in the gigs and still writing and still just being a dickhead like that's not going to leave me too soon. These are just the the dark things that take over my mind at four a.m. when I can't sleep. Um, but they're they're not there all the time. I'm I'm I've got plenty of time to be ridiculous. I've got plenty of time to be ridiculous. Is I think a good note to end on. Where can people find you online or in real life? Um, in real life, I am. I mean, I won't tell them that you leave your house unlocked. No, don't don't do that. Um, they know if they know me. I'm in Adelaide. Um, if you want to find me, I'm doing the Adelaide Fringe with Tash York in a show called Petty Bitches, uh, where you will learn nothing, but you will leave feeling lighter. And um, on Instagram at Boudoir. That is me. Thank you so much for having tea with me. Thank you for having tea and awful coffee with me. <laughs> Thanks for keeping me company in my solitude. My pleasure. <laughs> Lovely rifle, doll, lovely rifle,